Welcome to the Legacy Nashville Podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. For everybody who has their Bible, hopefully you have a Bible in your home, but did you guys bring a Bible? I knew you guys would come through for me today. Brought your physical Bibles to church. We're going to be going to Luke chapter 5. We're going to continue in our sermon series today, Truth to Table. So once you guys find Luke chapter 5, if you don't mind, go ahead and stand. Come on, we're going to make the most out of this today. Luke chapter 5. We're going to read verse 27 through verse 32 this morning. Luke chapter 5, verse 27 through 32. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. ready. Let's read it out loud all together. After this, he went out and say that word again. Jesus sees. I want you guys to recognize that. Jesus is a seer and he sees people differently than we see people. Y'all know that. So after this, he went out and a tax collector sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving, how much did he leave? That's the call of God upon the life of a disciple. To leave everything and to follow Jesus. Verse 29, and Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees who don't see, interestingly enough, we talked about how Jesus sees, and then now we're pointing out here, Pharaoh sees, so you'd think if anybody could see, it'd be the Pharaoh. But unfortunately, the Pharisees, they don't see like Jesus sees. And we see here that the Pharisees and their scribes, they at his disciples. Notice they didn't grumble at Jesus. That's the way the enemy always works. They can't take the fight to our Lord, so they take the fight to his disciples. They ain't got it like that. They've already been defeated. So they come to the disciples and they say, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and with? And Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need of a, but those who are sick and unsaved. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Today, the title of the message, church, is Our Savior Sees. Our Savior Sees. Jesus sees different. And I just want to pray and say, Jesus, thank you for seeing us. When we were Levi, when we were lost, when we were distant, when we were without You saw us, Jesus, and you counted us as deserving of your love. You went to the cross on our behalf, and we say thank you this morning for seeing us. We are grateful that we serve a God who sees. In Jesus' name, we bless you, and everybody said amen. Amen. You can be seated. Now, I don't know how you read the Bible, but... Let me let you know how I have been reading the Bible as of late. I have started reading the scripture scripture simply for the story, 
I, I know that's not like a popular way to read the Bible because we read it for heavy revy, right? Like we're looking for those nuggets that we can mine out. But one of the things that I have been practicing is just reading the scripture simply for the story. And in my opinion, church, I want to do this more together because I believe it is a good practice. One of the things that I believe about just simply reading and learning the Bible is it's like making a deposit in the bank. While saving money doesn't always feel fun, the fact of life is that we've got to pay bills. Amen? And when bills come due, you'd better have made some deposits. We all have moments in life that feel like significant withdrawals. All of us, bills tend to show up at the house. So we've got to be aware, we've got to prepare, and we've got to make deposits. I told you this year is going to be about increasing biblical literacy. And I believe if you'll read and study the Bible, you'll build a life account over time that is able to sustain you through any of life's withdrawals. We've got to make deposits by reading our Bible. Now, on the second pass, though, when I read through once for the story, I read through a second time, and I don't know if you do this as well, but I look at all of the characters in the story, and based on what's currently happening in my life, I look to see, I look to see, to see who I am in the story. Now, that's kind of how I read the scripture during Devo moments. How about you guys? You ever do that? Like, you just, you're like, who am I in the story, Lord? Help me, God. Who am I here? What do I need to learn here? I need to understand what you're doing in the story. Well, as a pastor of a Christian church, I might imagine that you see yourself as Christ in the story. And that's the way that I want to preach it because I know that for us as a body, we are all striving to become more Christ-like. We see ourselves in the story as being this compassionate evangelist that stops for the one that loves dirty sinners like Levi, that frustrates the religious by our godly works. And maybe we are that, but I also want to caution you, don't be too quick to identify with Jesus because it could be possible that in this season of our lives, we might just be the Pharisee. Claiming to see and don't see. Maybe we are the Pharisees from time to time. We're with Jesus. We know we're with Jesus. We're pursuing Jesus, but we're frustrated by how Jesus handles people that are nowhere near as holy as we are. I don't know. Maybe we don't always see so well, but it's not lost on me, however, that we may have some people joining us today by live stream that are Levi in the story. You might be watching this morning thinking, how in the world did I get here? How did I land on this YouTube channel? I didn't intend on Jesus speaking to me today. I don't even see myself as deserving of that, but here I am and here he is. I have somehow stumbled this morning into a date with destiny. If you're Levi watching the stream this morning, I want you to know that Jesus is in the room with you and Jesus has come to you and Jesus sees you because our Savior sees different. So who do you see yourself as in the story? I know we all have differing perspectives. If you look in the gospel of Mark, you will see that the apostle Mark, he wrote about this interaction between Jesus and the Pharisees and Levi from a different 
perspective. We know Mark wrote his gospel first, and what he saw, he explains in Mark chapter 2. I want to look at verse 13 and 14 in the book of Mark. Same exact story, but different gospel writer. It says, he went out again beside the sea. Now, we don't get that in Luke. And all the crowd, we don't get that in Luke. All the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw, everybody say he saw. Jesus sees. He saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And what happened? Levi rose and began to follow him. Mark said that Jesus went out again beside the sea. We don't get that in Luke, but you have to know that the sea here is really just a lake. It's the Sea of Galilee, and we don't often realize this when we read this story, but that's actually where Jesus grew up, was in Galilee. So it's totally possible that this hike that Jesus is taking in this story is not at all abnormal. This is a real as-you-go kind of moment, considering what Jesus said in the Great Commission about how we are to do evangelism. He is just going about his life. We go intentionally, but we also go passively throughout our regular routines, and we are supposed to be evangelists. And that is what Jesus is showing us here as he goes about his regular, normal, everyday life. He runs into this guy named Levi. Now, he knows more than geography here. Yeah, he's familiar with the environment, but you know what? It's absolutely possible that Jesus knows all of the regulars along his route. So we don't know, but it's possible that Jesus actually knew Levi. And if you think about how communal the culture is, you'll see here in Mark that he says Levi is the son of Alphaeus. So we know that this is a time and place where everybody knows their neighbors and everybody knows one another's families. So there's no way of knowing for sure, but it's absolutely possible that Jesus knew of or he possibly knew Levi. It's possible that Jesus the evangelist had been observing this fellow Levi, drawn to him by the Spirit of God as he would go on his walks to call to save and to empower, get this, as one of his 12 premier disciples, which is actually who Levi became. I don't know if you guys know this or not, LSM students, but Levi is actually Matthew. Some of you guys knew that, but not everybody knows that. Levi becomes Matthew, you know, the apostle, the one who is credited as the writer of the New Testament gospel book, Saint Matthew, or Matthew the evangelist, is who Levi becomes. So what we are watching here in full color HD is Jesus the evangelist saving Levi and observing Matthew's testimony. I am grateful. I don't know about you guys, but I'm grateful that Jesus sees Matthew in Levi. I'm grateful that whenever Jesus looked at me, that he saw a Matthew and a Levi. And that's how Jesus sees our savior. He sees differently. You know, when I read through scriptures, I could say, I see myself as Maybe when you do your devos, you might say, I see myself as. We've looked at how Mark sees the same story, and it's important that we note how Jesus sees Levi. Another detail that Mark includes is that Luke, uh, is in Luke, what Luke doesn't include that Mark does, is, is the crowd. 
And I think that this is an important distinction because we see that Jesus is being followed by a crowd and he is actively teaching him. 13 and 14, once more. He went out again beside the sea. All of the crowd was coming to him and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and he followed him. Once more, what we're seeing here is a real evangelistic as you go kind of moment that is happening. Jesus takes a stroll, a bunch of people, a crowd begin to follow him and he takes the opportunity to start teaching them. I love this about Jesus is because he is able to turn a lakeside into a lectern. Jesus is always teaching and preaching wherever it is that he goes. The crowd gathers around him. They start asking him questions. And Jesus doesn't say, hey, come to the synagogue on Sunday because I'm in the middle of a sermon series on that. He doesn't do that. He, he, which is, by the way, is what Jesus calls us to do. He didn't say, just come to my church on Sunday. Hey, I'm gonna take the opportunity right now to open up the scriptures and preach the gospel and share the truth and love people and say, I see you, God sees you, Jesus sees you. This is who Jesus is. I'm grateful for our God who sees us. And for those of you guys who did read the story and see yourself as Jesus, can I say that if I'm in the story as him, um, thinking about it through the lens of a pastor, I don't know a minister, I don't know a preacher, a pastor that wouldn't be out of their mind ecstatic about what's unfolding here. If you're Jesus in the story, and you, you can imagine yourself, a minister, an evangelist, which all of us are called to be, by the way, out for a walk in the neighborhood, and people see you and they get so stoked. They're like, yes, he's here. Come on, crowd, let's gather around him and let's ask him to stop for a minute and respond to all of our questions about God and lay hands on us and pray for us. If you were that kind of minister and that happened to you, surely you would think, you know what? I'm having a special impact for God. This feels amazing. You know what I'm saying, LSM students? Uh, but I, I, I want you to know this because LSM is Legacy School of Ministry, right? And so how many of you guys here, like you wanna be in some way, shape, and form in ministry? Every hand, by the way, at home ought to go up because we're all called to be full-time ministers. But if you wanna be a vocational minister, I wanna say this. You're gonna have some experiences like Jesus in this story. If you don't wanna be interrupted and inconvenienced, you don't wanna be in vocational ministry. If you don't wanna be asked to pray for people at a moment's notice in public, you don't wanna be in vocational ministry. If you don't wanna be expected to answer questions and teach almost every day in public outside of the church, then you don't want to be in vocational ministry. LSM students, I'm, I'm sad to admit it, but I want to say sometimes I don't want to tell people what I do. Sometimes it works great though. If you're ever on an airplane and somebody's talking to you and you want them to stop so that you can sleep, and they say, oh, what do you do? And you say, I'm a pastor. And they're like, all right, this conversation's over. I, I, you know, I don't wanna hear anything about God. I don't wanna hear anything about the Bible. And so some people zip it right away. But if, if you saw yourself as Jesus in the story and you're like, I wanna be that kind of minister, I wanna be that kind of evangelist, then I want you to prepare to be inconvenienced because that's what's happening for Jesus in the story. He was willing to do what, church? Stop for the one and see people right where they were. He wasn't agitated by the fact that they were asking him questions about God 
in the marketplace and saying, hey, just get to church, man. That's where I can explain it a little bit better. No, Jesus was always on. He was always searching. He was always looking. And he was always seeing people that his heart was just melting over because of his love for them. And he was always pursuing them, which is what we are also called to do. So I want you to see yourself as Jesus in the story. If you were having this experience, I don't know, maybe you'd be on cloud nine. Maybe you'd feel really overwhelmed that the crowd was pressing in on you. Uh, But Jesus was neither. And the reason for that is because Jesus sees differently. In Luke chapter five, verse 27, ESV says he saw a tax collector. The NASB says he looked at the tax collector. I don't know about you guys, but I'm grateful that Jesus chose to stop and look at me. I'm grateful that Jesus chose to stop and to look at me. What we see and what Jesus sees is entirely different. You know, we see big crowds, but what does Jesus see? Jesus sees the individual person. We see all the people that are pursuing Jesus, but Jesus sees the person who's not. Maybe they're just there. Maybe they don't even really know why they're there. They're just doing their normal, but Jesus sees the one that is not pursuing him. We see all the people listening to Jesus today, but Jesus sees the person that's observing curiously, but not at all committed. We see though, like we, we see those uh, that are not so important, and what do we do? We overlook them, but Jesus sees the same person, stops for them, and dignifies them by looking at them directly in the eye. That's how Jesus sees. We might see a bad person, a sinner for sure, and run away from them, but Jesus sees the same sinner and moves toward them to give, him, to give them his life and to make them good. That's how Jesus Sees, Jesus is so often deeply interested in the last person that we think he should be. Our Savior sees. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 19, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. And they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Look at your Savior. This is how he goes about doing life and ministry. We always want to be associated today with the in crowd, but Jesus is completely comfortable being seen as a friend of outsiders. That's our savior. That's how he sees. You know, Levi was there to collect taxes, but Jesus recognized something happening in Levi beneath the surface. And if we're going to be ministers like Jesus, we've got to be discerning to recognize that sometimes the people that we see look like the worst. But what God is doing in them beneath the surface is something special. And we've got to be discerning enough to call that out. That's what Jesus was doing. Instead of being so focused on those that were already following him, Jesus was drawn to the one that wasn't, the one that no one would have ever expected to follow Jesus. That is who Jesus was looking at. That is who Jesus So I know that when we tell our testimonies today, church, we say things like, when I found God or when I came to Jesus, but the reality is you didn't find God, God found you. God was never lost. You didn't come to Jesus, Jesus came to you. This is the kind of savior that we serve. He sees us even when we're following from a distance. He turns around and makes up the distance. 
This is who our God is. Discipleship starts in desire. And I'm not referring to your desire for God. I'm referring to God's desire for you. Your discipleship following Jesus originates not in you coming to Jesus, but Jesus walking the shoreline of the Sea of Galilee in your life, calling out to you in the midst of your mundane and saying, follow me. I see you. I have a plan for your life. I have a great destiny for you to walk with me into. That is who we serve, our Savior that sees. Now, I, I, I don't know about you, but if I were to look at Levi myself, I might say, you know what? Levi is one of those guys, Jesus, that you just want to pass over because he is the worst. He's the worst person. When we see Levi in this scripture, if we know he's Matthew, we automatically go to who he is as an apostle. But if you look at who Levi was when Jesus saw him for the first time, at least looked at him and invited him to follow, that guy was a terrible person. A terrible person. Let me tell you a little bit about Levi. Levi is the kind of guy that you never want to see in public. If you saw him out, you would avert your eyes because Levi was a thieving tax collector. At the time, the tax collectors in Israel were considered to be outright traitors. In fact, I might call Levi this. You're going to look at Levi differently. He's a gangster. Truly, that's what he is. Levi is actually a gangster because what he's doing is he's a Jew extorting Jews. He's ruthlessly collecting funds for the Roman empire that occupied the country by military campaign. That's what Levi is doing. And these tax collectors that were Jews extorting Jews, they were not randomly chosen by the Romans to oppress their own people. No, they volunteered. Levi said, no, pick me. I actually want to buy into the system. It's actually at the time was like a franchising model. So Jews had the opportunity to buy into the business of becoming a tax collector, and then they would collect their dues, and then they would pay dues to a chief tax collector. But what this enabled these really wicked Jewish people of their day to do was to extort and to oppress their own people as gangsters. That is who Levi was whenever Jesus saw him. Tax collectors at the time were considered to be so evil and so corrupt that they weren't even welcome at church. They couldn't even go into the Jewish synagogues. Rabbis would get up and publicly preach against the tax collectors and declare that they were so sinful that God wouldn't even forgive them if they repented sincerely. That is the state that Levi was in. I'm calling them uh, uh, gangsters, but they might be more like the mob or the mafia or another way of referring to them would be corrupt cops because that's, that's, that's what they were doing. They, they literally had sanctioned authority to stop anybody in search and seizure at any point in time that they determined that they wanted to. In fact, history teaches us that um, tax collectors would regularly physically beat up Jewish mothers for information about where their sons were when they needed taxes. All right, so I want you to understand the type of person that Levi is. He's a professional gangster protected by local law enforcement. He is the most hated person of the society, and at the same time, he is among the wealthiest of society. I am so grateful that Jesus sees the worst and consistently gives us our, his best. 
So out of the whole crowd, I just imagine if you're there, like see the scene that we read today. Out of the whole crowd of good people that are pursuing Jesus, Jesus looks and sees the one evil guy who is not pursuing him, invites him into covenant family, then has the audacity to go over to his house for a dinner party. This is who our Savior is. This is how he interacts with people, with the religious, with the lost. And you know what I love about Jesus? Jesus is so quick to get up in your business, isn't he? He just invited Levi to follow him. And before we have any information as to why, what did he see in Levi? We don't know. Before we have any inclination as to why he calls Levi, we see Jesus hanging out, eating dinner in Levi's house. That's the type of God that has saved us. That's who Jesus is. He's so quick to come in and have a meal with you on your couch. No matter, no matter, no matter how bad we think that we are or no matter what we feel like we've done wrong as of late, can I tell you this morning, church, that Jesus sees you, that he calls you, he calls us to himself and he's ready to come into our real lives like he's doing today in your living room, in our real homes and break bread with us. That is who our savior is is he sees differently. He sees the worst and he still gives us his best. And of course, that's exactly why the religious people hate him. Because he hangs out with people less holy than them. And that's always offensive to religious people. Now, the Pharisees, as I mentioned, as we read, they don't see much at all. And we know in the Bible, in Matthew chapter 23, verse 26, this is Jesus speaking to the Pharisees. He says, you blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate that the outside may also be clean. What does that tell us? That Pharisees are people that focus on the outside rather than focus on what Jesus sees, which is the inside of an individual, right? A Pharisee looks at Levi and says, we won't give you access to the church, you can't even be saved. And yet Jesus looks at that exact same person and says, I wanna be covenant family with you because I know what's happening beneath the service in your soul and I want you to invite me into your home because I'm ready to break bread. That is Jesus. It's amazing to me that the poor, both in the natural and in the spirit, the poor in spirit, they ask questions like this. Where can I go to eat with Jesus? And the Pharisees, the judgy religious folks, they ask, ask questions like this. Why does Jesus eat with people less holy than me? Right, but the poor in our city, Nashville, the poor in spirit, the people who are not good at being spiritual, the people who are bankrupt in their soul, whether they realize it or not, they're asking themselves questions like Levi today. And they're saying, where can I go to dine with God? Where can I have a meal? Where can I get close? Where can I fellowship? Where can I have intimacy with my creator? But the religious people on the other hand say, why would God even eat with that person? And one of the things you have to know about the religious people is they called everybody sinners. They could have even been Jewish and they still called them sinners because they called everybody who was a common person a sinner. So anybody that didn't follow rabbinic tradition, they said that person is a sinner. Some of the people they referred to as sinners, they were actually people that were purely seeking God. They just didn't look like the Pharisees. They didn't dress like the Pharisees, and they didn't have the same social standing as 
the Pharisees. And that's why Jesus said the Pharisees don't actually see anything. And I'm bringing that up today because I want you to see yourself as somebody in the story. If you see yourself as Levi today and you don't feel like you're worthy of Jesus stopping for you, I want you to know that he gave his life on the cross as an act of stopping for you. Despite everything that you have done wrong and in spite of everything that you have done right, it doesn't matter how you feel today, I want you to know that Jesus sees you. And he's looking for you. And if you're Levi in the story today, Jesus actively right now in this moment is inviting you to follow him right now. And and, and if you are um, somebody who feels called by God to pioneer into ministry in some way, shape, or form, and we all are called by God to do that, I want you to see yourself as Jesus in the story so that you can learn his evangelistic principles and stop for the one, no matter how bad they look, invite them into spiritual family and welcome them into covenant relationship with Jesus. But also if you see yourself as the Pharisee today and you realize that you're constantly offended by the type of person that Jesus chooses to associate himself with, it's time to repent today and have our eyes healed just like the apostle Paul who was once religious. Let those scales fall off of our spiritual eyesight so that we can accurately see the world as God defines it and accurately see people who Jesus gave his life on the cross for to save their soul. We want to see better and I'm grateful that my savior sees. What about you guys? I'm grateful. You know, I was thinking about uh, seeing and I was thinking about the song, uh, Amazing Grace. I was once blind, uh, but now I see. And with the remaining time, I just, I, I really want to lean into a moment of prayer and I want to ask the Holy Spirit to minister to us today and give us eyes to see. You know, it, it's, it's amazing to me, um, verse 31 and 32 in Luke 5. You see here when Jesus says, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. It's amazing to me that without a med school degree, that Jesus would refer to himself as a doctor. I mean, obviously he did create human beings and everything, but nonetheless, he refers to himself as a good physician. You know what's interesting to me about physicians is that physicians, in the same, in a different way, obviously, but in a similar way as our Savior sees, physicians see differently, don't they? When we go into the rooms, they call them examine you know, examination rooms, right? Whenever you get called to go see the physician and you're waiting in the room, what do they say? The doctor will see you now, right? Like physicians, they have to be able to see. Uh, Also physicians, they run tests to actually get revelation about what's happening under the surface. You see physicians that Jesus referred to himself as, they have to see different. And I know that we all think that we're really good at diagnosing ourselves, but the reality is we all have a hard time knowing what's really wrong with us. But Jesus knows. To get accurate information, we need a good physician to look deeper. And this is what Jesus does for us. He sees us. And now he's called us to see in the same way. If you're taking notes, I'll, I'll give you a couple points and we're gonna pray. But I, I just, these are super fast, literally the end of the message. But to see like our savior, I'm gonna give you six quick, 
quick points, and I really mean that. It's actually gonna be quick. Uh, number one is don't get distracted by the directions, by the direction of the crowds. Don't get distracted by the direction of the crowds. I know that society and culture is gonna tell us to overlook certain people and not, not see certain people, but if we're gonna be evangelists that see like Jesus, welcome people into covenant community and see them saved, we're gonna have to be people that are not distracted by the direction of the crowds. Secondly, we've gotta look for the lost. Can I encourage you and pray for a holy equipping in Jesus' name in your life today that you would be somebody that would look for the lost, that you would look for the lost. Number three, that you would ask Jesus to let you see what he sees and feel what he feels for the lost. I mean, I dare you to begin to pray, God, would you break my heart in the way that your heart is broken for the lost? Number four, go to them, be a friend, share meals together, whether they're saved or not. I, 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 be like Jesus, go, go eat with people, have coffee with people, spend time with people. Number five, continually invite them to follow Jesus. Be an evangelist, let them know, come with me to church, but I wanna introduce you to Jesus more than to a ministry. Lastly, number six, the religious don't care for soul winners, but don't let them stop you from searching for the sick and the unsaved. Keep going after it. We want to see like Jesus. Luke 19, chapter 19, verse 10 says, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. That was Jesus's mission statement. And I think it's important to note that if we are Christians, followers of his way, then our mission statement must also be to seek and to save the lost. We're gonna go back into worship, but as we prepare to give God more praise, I just wanna pray for you today, right where you are, that you would see different after our time together this morning. Holy Spirit, we ask you right now in Jesus' name that you would move upon our eyes. If we have scales that need to fall off today, we pray now in the name of Jesus that every scale would fall off so that we could see as Jesus sees. Father, I pray right now that you would quicken us in our spirits to remember those that we know that are lost, that don't know you, that might be Levi's in our lives. Maybe we work with them. Maybe we go to school with them. Maybe they're members of our families. Father, I pray that you would move within us, make us like Jesus, to go to those people, to love those people, to minister to those people, to eat with those people, to see those people, and to introduce them to Jesus. I pray that you would make us a family of evangelists, that we would have a passion to see souls come to Jesus unlike we ever have before. As we talk about truth to table, God, I ask that you would send us as missionaries to tables all across this city to, to reach people that you are longing for and welcome them into the kingdom of God through Christ's saving blood and body. Thank you, Jesus. If you guys don't mind, let's just stand up together. We're going to go right back into the the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.